Troy Weaver and the Detroit Pistons traded away fan favorite Sadiq Bey at the trade deadline for James Wiseman. How did James Wiseman play for the Pistons after arriving in the Motor City, and did he prove that Troy Weaver was correct in targeting him at the trade deadline, giving up Bay for him? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Coop Cahill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Coop Cahill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Coming up later in the podcast, we're going to be continuing our player reviews um, our player review episodes with Boyan Bogdanovich reviewing his season with the Pistons, and also we'll dive into RJ Hampton's season with the Pistons last in the podcast. Um, but first up, we'll be talking about James Wiseman and how he played for the Pistons after arriving here following the Sadiq Bay trade. Before we even talk about James Wiseman's play, I have to put this disclaimer out there. I know Wiseman has a very stand, a very large stand base. I just want to put this out there very quickly. No, anything I say here, no matter what the review, however this review goes, I want to make it clear that yes, I am I am fully aware that he is young. I am fully aware that he has not played many NBA minutes. I am fully aware that this was basically his second season in the NBA, maybe even his rookie season in the NBA. I understand he hasn't played a lot of games. I'm completely aware of all that, which means he has the chance to get a lot better. That he is not a Phoenix product. Like all that, like he can get a lot better. I'm fully aware of all that. Just want to make sure I put that out there, and that you know, I, I'm I'm not stupid. I'm aware that that could happen. However, let's talk about James Wiseman and how he played since arriving with the Pistons. I don't know how I feel about Wiseman since he arrived with the Pistons. This is this is what I know. After when he first arrived in Detroit, the first few games. I was relatively high on him. I liked some of the things I was seeing. I was intrigued by a lot of things I was seeing from him. And I don't know if it was because it was just a new face at that point of the season with how bad the season has been going for the Pistons. I don't know if that played a part. Um, I don't know if I, he, he was playing. I don't know if I thought that he was playing better at the beginning when he first showed up. I don't know. Maybe he just brought a different style. But when he first arrived at the Pistons, I was I was loving what I was seeing. But the more he played, the lower I, I got on him. And again, this does not mean that he the Pistons lost the trade. I don't think the Pistons lost the trade, by the way. I think Troy Weaver was aware that he was not going to bring back Sadiq Bey and say, I'm going to go get a guy that I'm relatively high on that has high potential, and I don't have to worry about paying this offseason. So, and also a guy that figuratively, at least at that point, um, will not have some of the problems Sadiq had where he's playing larger than his role, um, some of the selfish decisions, all that kind of stuff that we heard about with Sadiq Bay, 
he wouldn't have to deal with that with Wiseman to end this season. So, I, again, I don't think the Pistons lost this trade. But Wiseman, in his time with the Pistons, as the season went on, you started to see more and more of some of what he struggles with and what he has to improve on. And I think the first few, the first few things that pop off my head, and yes, this probably, I don't want this to come off as like a, just a purely negative thing about him. But I think if your biggest takeaway from James Wiseman's time with the Pistons is that he's a superstar or like anything overly like insanely positive, I don't feel like you're doing this right. Because Wiseman, and he was aware of this, he was very self-aware in his exit interview. He talked about all the things he has to improve on and how he knows that he has to get better at this, that, this, that. He's going to be working on it. You should be taking away from what you saw from Wiseman and saying, okay, we see what he has to work on. We see what he's struggling with in areas he has to get better on and he needs to improve this. I don't. I think that's the way you should be looking at his time with the Pistons. Because honestly, I don't know what exactly... I'm t- I'm confused on how the Pistons want to use him. I-, I think that hurts him as well. Because in his time with the Pistons, he played as a center. He played as a four. He played with two bigs. He played with the spacer next to him. He played with the non-spacer next to him. And then the Pistons went through times where they just featured him as just a post-up option. Then they had other moments where they had him at the high post. Then they had him at other moments when they were trying to run him in the pick and roll. And none of those options really went that well for Wiseman in his time with the Pistons. In post-up situations with the Pistons, he was in the 14th percentile, scoring 0.76 points per possession. Not good at all. As a pick-and-roll man, he was average. He was in the 47th percentile. Spot-up, he didn't shoot the ball well at all. He was in the 16th percentile. And then around the rim, he actually wasn't as good of a finisher as I thought he was going to be. Um, around the rim, he was in the 66th percentile. Not awful, you still fine. Um, but definitely not as not as 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 great around the rim as I thought he was going to be. So obviously he can improve in all those departments, um, improve as a finisher around the rim, improve his outside jump uh, jump shot. Which if they want to play him at the four position, he's going to have to do. But my biggest takeaways from what James Wiseman needs to improve on with his time with the Pistons is number one his defense. His defense is one. I, I completely understand why. He wasn't able to crack the rotation with the Golden State Warriors, a contending team, because his defense really is behind the, behind the eight ball. He flashes really impressive stuff sometimes. As a seven-footer, the way he's able to move, the way he's able to move his hips, flip his hips, and move his feet sometimes is just not normal. It, it, some of that stuff's just not normal sometimes when he does it. So he does flash it every now and then. However, it, they're just those. They're just flashes. And a lot of times he finds himself in the wrong position. He's giving up layups because he's timing timing his, his rim protection wrong, timing blocks wrong. Um, he started to jump a lot more and pump fakes as the season went on. You can't figure – I'm kind of struggling to figure out if he ever will have the ability to switch on the perimeter. It looks like he's going to be more of a drop defender. And a lot of times when he was in drop with the Pistons, he was having problems um, knowing – you know, being in the right position with the drop coverage. So he has to improve defensively. And then the second thing that he has to improve on is as a rebounder. He's a very soft rebounder right now for the Pistons in his career right now. Very soft rebounder, um, especially on the defensive side of the glass. He, he, he struggles to secure rebounds on that end. I don't know if it has to do with his strength, his timing on, on jumps. Um, and the reason why I say strength is because of his box outs. Maybe he's not great at box outs because he gets pushed around a little bit. And he mentioned in his exit interview that he feels like he has to get stronger. And so did Weaver. Um, so 
those are the two biggest areas that I feel like he has to improve on if he's going to have a future, long-term future in the NBA at seven foot. He has to get better defensively, and he has to become a better rebounder. There's no reason that he shouldn't be a way better rebounder at his size, with his length, with his athleticism, at his height. There's no reason why he should be struggling this much as a rebounder. So he has to get in the lab this offseason, figure out what it is that's causing him to struggle as a rebounder, and really improve in that area. And then also, I think the Pistons need to figure out, whichever head coach they bring in, the Pistons have to figure out how they want to use him. Because I feel like he was also being hurt by the two big lineup with no spacing around anything. He's a guy I figure would operate really well in space at the high post area, allow him to hit the midi jumper or use his athleticism and his his ball handling to get to the rim, try to draw free throws or finish around the basket. I feel like that's where he would be at his best, but he wasn't able to really do that because he didn't have a lot of space around him, and they really were using him as the post-up option. That was his most used play type with the Pistons. And I don't think he's a very good low post player, especially not right now. He's an awful one right now. I, I'm not sure if that's really what he's going to be moving for. I see him more as a face-up guy, who's uh, who allow, which allows him to use his athleticism. So the Pistons need to find a better way to help him out. Hopefully playing with Kate Cunningham obviously will help him a little bit more. Maybe in the pick-and-roll, Cade will find him in better positions. But... James has a lot of stuff he has to work on. He's not a good shooter right now. Um, He's not a good low post player right now. He's not a good defender right now. He struggles screening. Now, look, the, the, the skill's there. He has a lot of raw skill, a lot of raw talent. There's times you see him take an off a defensive rebound and go coast to coast, and you're like, oh, my God, what did I just see? There's some times where you'll see him face up, take a guy to the rim, your old step and finish. You're like, oh, my God, that's so fluid, the way he was able to move. He shouldn't be able to move like that. There's something there. You can see it. There is a lot of raw talent and raw skill to James Wiseman's game. However, he will not be able to unlock those raw skills and those that raw talent if he does not improve in those other areas because at his position, he's just not going to get the chance to do any of that other stuff. He's not going to be able to be played a lot in the future if he doesn't improve. And I'm talking about when the Pistons are winning. Next year, obviously, he's going to play a lot. But when the Pistons are trying to be competitive... If he's not going to be a good rebounder, he's not going to be a good defender, it's going to be hard to have him on the floor at that position. So that's why those are the two areas I feel like he has to improve on for the Pistons moving forward. Again, he has a lot of talent, a lot of talent. I see why Weaver was high on him before the draft. He Again, he, he just has a lot of raw skills in his arsenal that if you sharpen those up and then you improve some of the other stuff that I mentioned, along with just getting him a lot of reps, because I feel like IQ-wise, He's behind the eight ball as well. He doesn't know where to be a lot of the times. Um, some of the some of the reads that he doesn't make, I feel like that has a lot to do with the fact that he hasn't played a lot. So we'll see what happens. He has to get a lot of reps. He has to improve in a lot of areas. I think Pistons fans, they saw the tantalizing potential of him, but they also saw, okay, we can see why Golden State wasn't able to play him. And they we see why Golden State decided to move on from him because he does have a lot of things he has to work on. And for what it's worth, the Pistons seem to have a good developmental program going on right now. They like guys who work hard. I don't believe Weaver would have brought him in if he wasn't a hard worker. So we'll see how much he gets better this offseason. If he's able to improve in those areas and the Pistons get a better idea of how to use him and put him in better positions for himself, maybe he has a really good season next year. I could see it happening. So we'll see what happens with him. How did you guys feel, though, about James Wiseman's play with the Pistons? Were you guys more intrigued? Or were you guys a little let down? Do you guys see why the Golden State Warriors moved on from it? Do you think the Pistons got a steal? Let me know what your guys' thoughts are in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, 
We'll talk about Boyan Bogdanovich and his season for the Detroit Pistons. Break down how he played in his first season in Detroit. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater shows near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the, sa- it's the fastest and safest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, Let's go ahead and get into Bojan Bogdanovic's season with the Detroit Pistons. He had probably, actually let me not say probably, possibly his best season of his career with the Detroit Pistons. Now, I say possibly because I, earlier in his career, he was probably a lot better defensively. And would you take a little bit of offense of production down a little bit to get more production on the defensive side? Probably. So, I don't know how good of a defender he was in Indiana or in his first year with Utah. But, I know he wasn't that good defensively with the Pistons this year. But, offensively, he was absolutely in his peak form with the Detroit Pistons, damn near was a 50-40-90 guy for the Pistons. 48% from the field, 41% from deep, and 88% from the free throw line. 21 points a game. Was extremely efficient for the Detroit Pistons. And I'm going to tell you guys this right now. If the Pistons did not have Boyan Bogdanovich on this basketball team this year, oh boy, I, I, I have no idea where this offense would be. Actually, we have a good idea of where the offense would be. Just look at how the offense performed after he was out the final month or month and a half of the season and how much they struggled at times. I, the Pistons would have been lost without Poyan for the majority of this season. And it was a really good trade, by the way, that Weaver got off. He, Kelly Olenek, save and leave for Boyan Bogdanovich. That was an incredible trade that he was able to pull off. And Boyan was great for the Pistons. Let me just read you guys some of the stats here from Boyan's season. As a spot-up shooter, it was in the 92nd percentile. Fantastic. In transition, he was in 68th percentile. Coming off screens, 81st percentile. In isolation, 63rd percentile. All jump shots, 90th percentile. Catch-and-shoot jumpers, 95th percentile. On all runners, 91st percentile. Off the dribble jumpers, 78th percentile. Anything that involves shooting the basketball... Bojan Bogdanovic was absolutely fantastic for the Pistons this season. Absolutely fantastic. 
And again, I'm going to say it one more time. If the Pistons did not have Boyan, I don't know where the hell they would be on offense for the majority of this year. Because a lot of their offense at times, actually not even at times, most of their offense boiled down to, here you go, Boyan, go do something. Now, that may have to do with the, you know, the scheme of the offense that we've complained about for a long time over the last few years. But also, it has a lot to do with the fact that Boyan was able to do it to a certain degree that the other players on the team just couldn't do. Boyan was fantastic on the offensive end for the Detroit Pistons this year. There's nothing else to say about it. Nothing, no other words can describe it other than absolutely fantastic. I think it was probably his best offensive season in his career. Now, defensively, not good at all. Probably one of his worst seasons in the NBA so far. I haven't watched him throughout his career. But I'd have to assume that at 33 years old this year, with how he played on the defensive end, this was probably his worst defensive year in the NBA. And I talked about this when the Pistons traded for him a little bit, um, going months and months back. But I said, it would be interesting to see how the defense would work once he was away from Rudy Gobert, who could wash up a lot of his defensive issues. The Pistons don't have a big guy that wash up a lot of defensive issues. And heck, their bigs have their own defensive issues. A lot of their bigs aren't good defensively. And the Pistons just don't have good defenders on the roster. So Bojan's defensive issues were just so glaring because there weren't other good defenders on the floor that could kind of make up and make plays to kind of hide him a little bit. So that's why his defensive, I feel like his defensive issues were shining a little bit even more um, this season. And if the Pistons, oh my God, this this fire alarm is going off again. And my, my, my fire alarm thing is going off again. I literally just changed his batteries and turned it off. I hope it doesn't keep going. But either way, defensively, I, if he is on the team next season, I wonder how it's going to look if the if like do the Pistons address their defense at the four position at the point of attack? Do they go a different route? Like does Jalen Duren get better at the center position defensively? I know Troy Weaver came out and said that the wing position defensively is they're at the top of their list of needs. Okay, this smoke alarm thing. I'm about to go change it. But last point I'll make before I go change it, and then I'll come right back. Is the Pistons want to? revamp their wing room with defense you would assume that means that Boyan may not be back next year he may be traded for a pick but if he is back they definitely have to shore up the defense around him if he's going to play for the Pistons because if not it's just it's going to be tough it's going to be tough like when you saw Boyan and Sadiq on the floor together defensively this season oh my god it was the worst defense in the entire NBA so if they do bring back Boyan fantastic offensively he'll bring a ton of stuff for you offensively on the floor but you have to try to piece some things together defensively around him so he's not just a glaring problem on that end either. So I, that's something that they're going to have to take into account moving forward. I will be right back. Let me go change the smoke detector real quick. I apologize for that. But anyways, Boyan Bogdanovich's season, I, I think it was really good overall. Again, yes, he had some defensive issues. But at this age and for the team that he was playing on, I, I'm sure some of it also had to do with just effort. Like the team's tanking. The team isn't that good. We're not going to be good defensively even if I do try. So, And I'm being asked of way to do way too much offensively. So I'm sure that had some something to do with it as well. But just how well he played offensively for this team, I think makes up for it, to be honest. Um, obviously, next year and moving forward, when the team wants to be good, you'd like to see the defense get better at the wing position. But this past season, Boyan was nothing short of fantastic. He was one of the best moves Weaver has made when it comes to a value perspective. He got a lot of value for Kelly Olynyk and Saban Lee. And again, Boyan was just amazing for the Pistons. So I'll give him like an A to A plus, to be honest. 
Um, defense, again, is a concern, but I'm going to kind of look past it when looking at how he played with the Pistons this past season because they were tanking, and, and it's, it is what it is, man. 48%, 41-88 and 88 splits on 22 points a game for the Pistons. That's that's pretty damn insane. That that's He was great offensively. So I was happy with how Bojan played. I think they're going to eventually flip him if I had to pick, if I had to decide how his, how his tenure with the Pistons ends. I think they're going to end up flipping him for a pick this offseason or something. Maybe not a pick or maybe some, something else this offseason. Um, but he, if he is back on the team next year, I have no, absolutely no problem with it. Cause I think he could he could he could help them a lot. Um, depending on the kind of role that they get out of him, and depending on how they surround him as well. So, let me know how, what you guys think about Boyan by Donovan's season with the Pistons this past year. Were you guys impressed? Was the defense just such a turnoff that you weren't able to appreciate his offense? Did you use some of Dwayne Casey putting a lot of the offense on him against Boyan himself? Let me know all those things in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cooker Hill. When we come back, I'm going to be reviewing RJ Hampton's season with the Detroit Pistons, another guy that was picked up at the end of the season um, and was signed for the rest of the year. How did he play in that sort stretch of being a Detroit Piston? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Price Picks. So let's say during the playoff, one of the playoff games, you want to take the over of Steph Curry's three-point makes. You want to take the over of Klay Thompson's points. You want to take the over and Draymond Green's assist. And then you want to go to a different game completely. You want to take the over on Jimmy Butler's assist. Or you want to take the over on Bama Adebayo points. You want to put it into the exact same entry. Well, you can do that with prize picks, and that's why it's my favorite daily fantasy option out there. You pick two to six players to see if they score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, and I'm not going to go through the whole list. Just know if you think of it, it's on there. Esports, it's on there. Women's sports, it's on there. College sports, it's on there. If you Anything you can think of, it is on there. I promise you. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Again, at PrizePix, use code locked on for an instant deposit match up to $100 with PrizePix. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. RJ Hampton, another one of these guys that the Pistons pick up at the end of the season that probably doesn't have a future with the current team, with the team that picked him up, which is obviously the Pistons but was given a chance to put a lot of stuff on tape, was given a chance to play a lot of minutes, and hopefully this would springboard him to his next team. Kind of the same situation with Eugene Amarui. The guy I always bring up that I feel like this really helped with was Dennis Smith Jr. two years ago. I thought that did wonders for him, and now he's having a, he had a really good year with Charlotte, and I think he's going to get it back for his role. 
So I think that's what's going to happen here with RJ Hampton. I do not think he's going to be on the team next year for the Pistons. I think if they do get, first of all, I don't think he's a point guard. I think he's an off guard. And they have Alec Burks, and I think they're going to get another guy in free agency around there to probably either one compete with Killian Hayes as the backup point guard, or to completely take the backup point guard position from Killian Hayes. Um, for my, I'm, I would assume that they're going to get at least a guard to compete with Killian Hayes, and I don't think that would be R.J. Hampton. So I don't think R.J. Hampton's on the Pistons next year. However, how he played with the Pistons, it was all right. It was all right. Um, he didn't shoot very well from two point range. Uh, I thought he was going to. I thought he was a better finisher than he actually is. Before joining the Pistons, I, I hadn't watched a lot of them. I, I'd be lying if I sat here and said that I watched like a ton of R.J. Hampton all the time. I didn't. I hadn't watched a lot of them. But I knew he was an athletic guy, an athletic guard, and I thought he would be a good finisher. But when he got with the Pistons, I saw, okay, that's not the case. He's not a very good finisher. And if you look at some of his numbers from previous years, he's never been a good a, a finisher in the NBA. In his time with the Pistons, he was a worse finisher than Killian Hayes. He was in the eighth percentile, one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA. So that stuff, that that's not impressive at all. But what is impressive is he actually improved his jump shot from where it was at the beginning of the year. In his time with the Pistons, he shot. He was in the 58th percentile in all jump shots. He was in the 64th percentile in catch and shoot shots. And he was actually, it's crazy to think this, unguarded catch and shoot shots. He was the best in the NBA, 99th percentile, top percentile. When he was wide open, he didn't hit a lot of them. He was in the ninth percentile, so it's crazy how that works. But overall, he shot 36% with the Pistons on three attempts from deep. That was the one bright spot. If you can combine that with his athleticism and his ability to get to the rim by beating guys off the dribble, um, he's not a good finisher around there. If he can turn, if he was able to turn those looks into playmaking opportunities, kicking out and finding guys open, it would help him a lot more. Um, he doesn't do that a lot at all right now. In his time with the Pistons, he averaged one assist to one turnover a game. Literally 1.0 assists, 1.0 turnovers. He's not a good playmaker. But at his at his size, with his athleticism, to see him hit threes at a 36% clip with the Pistons, I'm sure that probably could help him a lot um, with his future. And also defensively, I don't think he was as awful defensively. I don't think he was great, but I think he was passable defensively and at times was an impact player defensively. Sometimes he was making a lot, some plays on that end. Other times he was kind of unno- was unnoticeable. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is just another one of those one of those guys that Troy Weaver brings in, allows them to play a lot of minutes, put a lot of stuff on film, develops a good relationship with not just the player but that agent, um, and helps them try to prolong their NBA career by putting stuff on tape for another NBA team. And again, like I say all the time, over and over and over, I think that kind of thing will eventually catch up to Weaver and will pay good dividends for him for having good relationship relationships with agents across the league by constantly doing right by players, constantly doing favors for players, player uh, favors for agents, all that kind of stuff. I think that really will come around to help him in the long run. Weaver that is, and the Pistons organization that they will eventually be thought of maybe even next year, this offseason, next offseason. I don't know, but soon will be thought of as a player's organization, as a really good organization that does right by their guys and will is a good place to play at and is a good place to be. I think this kind of stuff plays into that. And I think that's what the outcome for for Hampton Hampton is here um, in this scenario. Um, let me let me know what you guys think about RJ Hampton's season with the Pistons. Do you guys think he'll be back with the team next year, or do you guys think this is something where, like I mentioned, he'll be springboarded onto another team? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill.
That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review whenever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Until next time, peace out.